It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Flotsam. Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's Victory Monday episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. As I said, the Green Bay Packers hang on to win 24-20 against the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that bore no resemblance to the contest we thought we would get coming into this game. 6-2 and two against 1-7, and seven, and it is a nip-and-tuck game all the way. The Jaguars open the game, forcing a 3-and-out the first time all season. Green Bay doesn't score on its opening possession. And although the Packers put 17 up in the second quarter, they take a 17-10 halftime lead. Uh, they got outscored in the second half, 10-7, and they needed a late fourth down stop to seal this win. And what is truly troubling about this, insofar as any win can be troubling, is they once again, against a bad team, came out lifeless, They came out low energy. They didn't execute well. The plan on offense and defense, and of course on special teams, didn't look like championship caliber anything. And and from start to finish, this was a game that was played at the Jaguars level. That it was played like two teams fighting to draft Trevor Lawrence instead of one. And... Aaron Rodgers didn't have an answer for it after the game. Uh, He said, you know, the Jaguars have always played us tight. He didn't really harp on it in the way that he did after the Vikings game. And and you go back and and Matt LaFleur, he seemed pretty annoyed. He was, in fact, pissed about the energy that, that this team brought to the game. And I think the players, for their part, likely felt like, okay, let's just get this win. Let's get out of Dodge. It's cold. It's windy. It sucks. And let's just, let's regroup and go beat Indianapolis in a a prove it type of game next week. I think that seems like the scenario that we were looking at. And what's troubling is you look at the coaching staff and these players love Matt LaFleur. He sets the tone. He has changed the culture in Green Bay. Every player you talk to about it says the same thing. He is a leader, a tone setter. This team has great leadership. 
from Aaron Rodgers to David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander, they have guys who set the tone. Christian Kirksey comes in and, and immediately becomes a vocal leader on this team. They have the leaders. They have the talent. They have the players. And they have the coaches who set the tone. And they still have these games where they come out and play with no life, with no energy, with no verve, with no juice. That's become a running bit around this team because Matt LaFleur uses that word so much. And yet it hasn't consistently led to them playing with that kind of energy. And what's really strange is. Even with that being true, they've scored, with the exception of this Jaguars game, on every opening possession all season. So even in some of these games that were a little closer, you know, you look at the Bucs game, they come out, they score that first possession. They came out with juice. Did they execute well? No. They didn't execute great. They had some, some lucky plays, and you get a couple plays here and a couple plays there. Green Bay, play to play, did dominate this football game. I mean, from, from a yardage standpoint, from a yards per play standpoint, from a time of possession standpoint, all of the stats, except one key one, favor Green Bay. I mean, they outgained the Jags 395 to 260. On a per play basis, they outgained them 6.6 .6 yards per play to 4.3 yards per play. You hold any team to 260 yards and 4.3 yards per play, 151 passing yards, and you get a pick, you win those games and you win them going away. The Packers didn't, and they didn't because they turned the ball over twice. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. The Aaron Rodgers interception was maybe the worst interception I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers throw on a crossing route where he can see the defender. It's not even like, you know, he got fooled and a linebacker dropped underneath a throw or broke on a throw in a way that he wasn't anticipating. It's man coverage. You've got a defensive back running step for step with your receiver and you just throw it right to the DB. No excuse for that. Devontae Adams, same thing. He knows the DB is right there, tries to change hands with the ball in mid-run, even though he has the defensive back draped all over him, and the DB is able to punch the ball away. Devontae Adams had two catches in this game, negated by defensive backs fighting him at the catch point. Plays he didn't finish. If you're going to be the best receiver in football, and by the way, he has been this season, if you're going to take that crown and you're going to run with it, then those are plays that just can't happen. Not against a bad football team, and that's what the Jaguars are. None of these euphemisms, none of these, oh, they've had a tough go of it. That's always, you know, in the press conference, that's how coaches and players and even the media say, oh, you know, this is a team. No, they're bad. This is a bad football team. The worst defense in football by DVOA. The worst, 32, the worst passing defense in, in the league. And they showed that. Aaron Rodgers, 325 yards, two touchdowns, had one on uh, in the running game as well on a scramble. This is a game Green Bay, by all rights, played in aggregate well enough to win by 20. And because of really three plays, it's, it's a close game all the way. The 91-yard punt return. Finally, you think, oh, the Packers are exerting themselves on this game. You know, MVS gets the 78-yard touchdown bomb, and you go, okay, they're, they're, it's it's playtime's over. This game is, is about to turn. No, a punt return touchdown where 
you know, six guys are all in one clump. No one's in their lanes. And Keelan Cole basically doesn't have to do anything to finish the longest punt return in Jaguars history. Doesn't have to do anything except run fast in a straight line. That's how bad the gap integrity was for the Packers special teams on that play. And they were facing an uphill battle all day in terms of the field position because even though the Packers were not you know, giving up a lot of points, they only ended up allowing 13 points defensively on the day. They do get the interception, Adrian Amos does. But... It's field position. They give up. A, they give up. You know, a first down or two, and then all of a sudden the Jaguars are punting from the forty-five or the fifty, and the Packers are getting the ball inside the ten-yard line. I mean, the the Packers have all season consistently got the ball in advantageous positions for them because they're finishing so many drives, and so many of their drives are are coming to them. You know, when when other teams are punting from their own thirty-yard line. So Green Bay gets to start at the twenty-five, the thirty, the thirty-five, pretty regularly. They don't have to play off script like this. Well, they did in this game. And, you know, look, they played well enough to win. But you still want to see them come out. What you wanted to see. I said this last week on the show. What you wanted to see was for them to come out and beat the brakes off this team. Come out and beat them 34 to 13. Because that's how much better Green Bay is than Jacksonville. And I, there were a lot of fans... You know, in my mentions on Twitter going, oh, this team is just bad. They can't do this. They can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. No, they just, they played bad. They played poorly. And I would, you know, I would say the, the 49ers team they beat last week, much better coached than this Jaguars team. And I don't know, is it crazy to think that that team is more talented than this one? And and they they dominated that football game because they came out from word one playing with their hair on fire. And they played hard and they had a great plan. And and that is one thing that I, I need to bring up. And if I go back and, and I study this game and I watch the tape and I find out that, that this is not supported, then I will say so. To my eyes, in the two games at home that Green Bay has not come out and, and really taken by the balls, it has in part been planned oriented Matt LaFleur in week one Matt LaFleur in some of these other games that the Packers have won more convincingly has come out with interesting formations with unscouted looks with creative personnel deployment and he's had interesting stuff that the defense hasn't seen unscouted looks against the Vikings pretty traditional stuff pretty pretty standard Packers fare it felt the same way against the Jaguars. Even before Tyler Irving got hurt, there wasn't much motion. Not a lot of that jet motion, orbit motion. They played some with two running backs on the field with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They didn't go a lot of, to those two tight end sets, hard play action, shot plays. They didn't do the play action rollouts. They weren't able to get the screen game going. And some of that stuff is because Jacksonville played harder. They played faster. They played more physical. And, and I, I do want to bring this up as well. I don't think this was a game where Jacksonville hung because, you know, oh, Green Bay struggles with physical teams. No, it was not that Jacksonville is a more physical team by nature. They aren't. Green Bay played without intensity. They played without force, without decisiveness consistently. 
And that ends up looking like physicality. The, the Jaguars played with decisiveness. They played with force. It's not that, oh, the Packers are soft. No, they played soft. They played without intensity. They played without energy. This all comes back to that same idea. And in games where they've come out with a collection of purpose and they've been able to execute, it's not because they've been more physical. It's because they've played better. They played with more focus and more intensity. It's not a question of physicality. It's a question of execution. It's a question of decisiveness and making the right decisions. Green Bay didn't do that enough in this game, and it's the reason why this game was so close. Now, ultimately, they got to 7-2. and two. They get the win, and now they go, and we'll find out. We'll find out. You know, like I said, a lot of, a lot of Twitter mentions. Oh, you know, this team just isn't very good. We'll find out. We'll find out against the Colts. And, and I think the Packers were thinking that a little bit, and they overlooked the Jaguars, the Jaguars came in and they played tough. They they played hard. You know, credit Doug Marone, a good Syracuse grad, for having them ready to play. A game with Jake Luton against Aaron Rodgers should never be four points. In a game that the Packers play to play really dominated, even though it didn't feel that way at times. It's true. Should not have been four points. And... Maybe if you're Matt LaFleur, you're saying, okay, well, you know, in in a playoff game, in a big game, you know, Green Bay is going to come a little bit, a little bit better prepared. Well, maybe they did against the Saints, but they didn't against the Bucks. So what is the common denominator there? Now, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur both said, you know, practice. We don't, we don't know what, what practice was like this week. You know, if that was part of the deal here. But this team is too talented. They've got too good of, of leadership and, and coaching. And, and that's regardless of what you think of Mike Patton because the, the guys love him. They listen to him. They are accountable to him. And that's what matters in terms of you know execution, the, the game plan. If they think he's got the plan, whether or not it's a good plan, then you'd think they could play decisively and with intensity, and they just haven't. So this team has been too good from a talent standpoint, is too well coached and has too good of a leadership structure to be coming out flat in these games. It is inexplicable to me. But guess what? No one's going to apologize for winning. They've got seven wins. They're still, regardless you know, of anything else, they're going to be at the top of the NFC North come the end of the week. They're going to be you know, at the top of the NFC standings. And you bank those wins. That's what matters. And, and you know, you're only as good as your next game. So Green Bay goes out and beat in, beats Indianapolis. It's just like Minnesota. You go out and you beat San Francisco. No one is going to remember that you lost to Minnesota. Well, they won this game. You go out and you beat Indianapolis by 10 points, by 14 points. No one's going to care what happened in the Jaguars game. A win is a win. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. 
Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. I do want to single out a player, and I rarely do this, but I want to single out a player for the positives that he brought to the game on Sunday. And we're going to talk about David Bakhtiari and his extension at the end of the show here, just because I think it's important. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the Packers don't win this game without Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm going to say that again because it bears repeating. The Packers do not beat the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, the way that they played, the way that the game went, without Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Four catches, 149 yards and a touchdown. That 78-yarder that put the Packers out front at first, he ran hard. He caught the ball consistently. He made a number of nice plays. And look, you average 37.3 yards a catch. Obviously, you're doing something right. But even if you take away the 78-yarder, and by the way, you don't get to, that's three catches for 71 yards. He's still averaging over 20 yards a catch on the non-big play catches that he made in this game. To me, it was his best game as a pro because of how consistently he played, how much faith Aaron Rodgers displayed in him. The plays that he made at the times that he made them, they were timely, they were momentous. This is the version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling the Green Bay Packers need to show up more consistently than he does. And so I'm going to both compliment MVS and say if the Packers are going to not regret being more aggressive in bringing in a player like Will Fuller, this is the guy. And whether he is going to catch an 80-yarder every game, I think that's, that's being unreasonable. But you turn a crossing route into a big play on third down when the Packers need to extend the drive. Aaron Rodgers finds you sitting down in zone coverage and you make the play on a sideline route on a little screen. You run hard after the catch, bounce off a defender and pick up an extra three or four yards. Those are the plays that inspire confidence from your quarterback, from your coach, and more importantly, Make defenses account for you. The beauty of MVS in this offense is not 
just the plays that he makes. This is a lot like the conversations we have about Tyler Irvin. It's not just the plays he makes. It's the plays that he can make for other people. So if teams have to care about him getting deep, it's harder to play single safety looks. You want to play single high and shade to Devontae Adams' side of the field? Okay, here's 78 yards and a touchdown on your head. And that's exactly what happened on the play that MVS scored on on Sunday. They had a single high safety. That safety is bailing to Adams' side, and MVS gets freed on the sideline. Rodgers puts the ball on him. Now, that has been a problem. You know, going back even to 2018, Rodgers has not consistently found that connection with, with MVS down the field. But if that's something that they can get on the same page about, and MVS is going to make those plays, and I think Rodgers has been more consistent finding him. Zach Cruz mentioned on Twitter that, you know, it seems like the only guy Rodgers has missed all season is Rob Tanyan. Uh, just, you know, the throw that that Rodgers... Missed him on on the first possession. He said after the game, the wind got a hold of and, and he missed his spot by about seven yards from where he thought the ball would end up. In other words, Rodgers thought he made a good throw and the wind just knuckled it out, out of Tanyan's reach. The point of, of MVS being out there and being consistent is so much bigger than just the plays that he makes. On the other hand, you still have to make the plays because you're going to get them. If teams are going to load up to stop Devontae, then you're going to have opportunities, especially opportunities down the field. And those are plays that MVS has to make consistently, or at least more consistently than he has over the course of his career. You don't need to have four catches for 150 yards and a touchdown every week, but you need to do it more than once every eight weeks. You need to have more of those four-catch, 80-yard kind of days. Three-catch, 75 yards. And if you do, then you are helping your team in so many ways because it becomes harder to double-team Devontae Adams. It becomes harder to play single-high safety regardless of how you want to play Devontae Adams. And it's going to open up more looks underneath for everyone else, not just Devontae Adams, for for Big Bob Tanyan, for Jay Sternberger, for Alan Lazard when he comes back. And now all of a sudden you've got three guys who you can you can create big plays for down the field. You've got three guys who are explosive parts of your offense. And that's before we consider what Tanyan and Sternberger and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams do for your offense. We said after week one, if this is the version of the Packers offense with Devontae Adams just destroying people and MVS creating big plays and Al Lazard being the consistent guy that he is who can just do a little bit of everything for you and be your utility guy, then the geometry of this offense works. It makes sense. And it can be close to unstoppable. Now, it wasn't unstoppable on Sunday. And that was true for a number of reasons. Devontae Adams gets hurt, dealing with an injury. You have the wind and you have no Lazard. We expect Lazard is going to be back for the Colts. He's got to be activated uh, off the IR or he has to go on IR for the rest of the season. And because he's been practicing the last few weeks, you have to feel like he's got a good chance to do that barring a setback. So when all these guys come back and can be healthy, 
then that's when this offense can reach its true apex. And it can only do that. It can only reach its apex if MVS can give them something closer to this effort on a consistent basis. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, as I've said many times before, is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got six new flavors, and they're not so new anymore, but they've added them to their 12 original flavors. Things like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, salted caramel, all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and yet still great for the health conscious person, whether it's you or the health conscious person in your life. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible, more humanly possible for patients like Aaron Rodgers does for his offense. More innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find groundbreaking cures, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent, diagnose, and treat diseases. It all adds up to more possibilities. And when we do everything humanly possible, you can too. To learn more, visit www.freighter.com. Let's just finish up here with a, a brief discussion on the new contract that the Packers gave David Bakhtiari because this was news that broke during the game. Something that rarely happens in, in these scenarios, but the Packers not only uh, make David Bakhtiari the highest paid offensive lineman in the league, they make him the highest paid offensive lineman ever and give him the biggest signing bonus ever, according to uh, Ian Rappaport. And as as of the recording of this podcast, and these things change as the details come out, but as we're recording here uh, you know, late on Sunday, the Packers are giving him a four-year deal which likely, by the way, extends him beyond the lifespan of Aaron Rodgers, which means he is going to be uh, the left tackle of the future for the Packers with Jordan Love, assuming that happens. And, and it is this is something that has to be on Green Bay's mind when they're thinking about how to set up the future of their franchise. It is a four-year deal worth up to $105.5 million in new money. It's $23 million per year. It can get to $23.5 million per year. Uh, and there is a lot that we need to figure out when we look at the per year part of this, just because of how the salary cap is lined up and how it's set up. The moral of the story is the Packers are going to have David Bakhtiari this year, next year, and beyond, uh, seemingly through at least 2022, which looks like it's going to be the first year that Green Bay could, if they wanted to, get out of this deal. And it was an open question about what was going on here. And it seemed like 
You know, there wasn't a lot of traction. David Bakhtiari even tweeted that it seemed like there wasn't a lot going on, said that, you know, his agent and the club hadn't really spoken. And we talked about it on the show. The offensive line had played really well without him. And if they wanted to, you know, have Elton Jenkins be the guy and, and you know, go that route, or they wanted to have Billy Turner be the guy and go that route, that, that those were reasonable ideas to have with this team. They decided ultimately that was not the way that they were going to handle this. And they give David Bakhtiari the massive extension, how it sets them up next offseason when the cap is going to be low um, is something that we won't know until we actually see the the details here, the, the, the specific numbers of where they're going to be. And, and that'll give us a better idea of how we think they're going to handle Aaron Jones of Kevin King. And really just the options that they're going to have moving forward. Uh, I, I do expect it to be somewhat similar in its construction to the Kenny Clark deal where the base next year is extremely low. And that the, the cap hit is going to be the guaranteed money, which gets spread out over time. I expect to see some creative accounting in there. Uh, you know, and I don't I don't need to get into the the minute details of it. I don't think you you care, frankly. But locking David Bakhtiari down, who is arguably the best player at his position, uh, I think speaks to the team and where they where they see themselves moving forward. They do not see themselves as a team who is going to stop competing anytime soon. And I want to I want to punctuate that point with this one. The idea that the Packers are not committed to winning year in and year out, that they're only committed to the future and not the right now, and that they're not interested in going all in. They just gave David Bakhtiari easily the biggest offensive lineman deal in terms of a per year player in the history of football. He exceeds what Laramie Tunsil got in terms of APY. Tunsil got 22 million a year. And, and the Packers could have said, yeah, 22 and a half. There were there was reporting. The Green Bay didn't even want to get to that number. This is part of going all in, paying your superstar players. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but I think they could have justified. And I've said so on this podcast. I've said so on Twitter. I think they could have justified saying it's too much money, especially you know given the, the, the constraints of 2021. We as a team cannot justify paying this much to one player at a position where... If you just get, you know, solid play, you're in good shape. And yet they said, nope, it's too important. 2021 matters too. And we want to try and win then. No, it doesn't change 2020, but it certainly alters the trajectory of 2021. Having to adjust a new line and and having to put together a new group. That all is part of, you know, a, a, a complicating factor in, in next offseason, and they're already going to have to deal with the, the you know, the complications that the salary cap are going to bring. This is part of going all in, and I think we have to be clear when we're talking about it that that's what this is. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, Expert Tuesday is how you doing. Crossover Thursday, and our live show is back on Friday, all to get you set up with the big, I think the biggest game, frankly, left on the Packers schedule in turn of in terms of the toughest opponents out there, Packers, Colts coming up 
this week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.